0: Welcome to another edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast as uh, Purdue uh, gets ready to face uh, Texas Christian, or TCU as they're commonly known across the country, uh, coming up Saturday night at ross Age Stadium. First night game of the year uh, for the Boilermakers. Uh, don't know if it'll be the last, but uh, they've, they've been able to, to catch some magic uh, throughout their history at night, at least recently. Uh, you go back to the Ohio State game. Uh, last year, and uh, they pulled quite quite the upset over the Buckeyes uh, on that night. But they've they've also struggled at night uh, th- over the last 20 or so years. But uh, anyway, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the TCU matchup and where things stand. And joining us uh, today from the Fort Worth Star Telegram is Drew Drew Davison, who will be coming up to cover the game uh, for the TCU angle. And Drew, uh, thanks for taking time out today to to speak with us.
1: Have oh, any time. Thanks for having me on. It should be a uh, good
0: matchup coming up Saturday. You know, this is a, this is a game that was uh, put together, I believe, a couple years ago. Uh, TCU played Ohio State last year at a neutral site in Dallas. Uh, and then somehow, I'm not sure which one of the teams wanted out of the, the, the return game. Uh, but then I think Purdue is filling a spot that uh, was supposed to be uh, used by Ohio State this year. Is that correct?
1: Uh, yeah, I think each school had about five million reasons to uh, <laughs> opt out and, and play the game at uh, AT&T Stadium, commonly known as Jerry World down here, uh, home of the Cowboys, and and of course is a, a big time game for you know each program, prime time, uh, college game day, all that good stuff. Uh, you know was on hand for it, and, and I think you know TCU was. Uh, you know, in Gary Patterson, you know, he's kind of said, you know, he doesn't, you know, if you play Ohio State twice, you know, it might kill your playoff chances two times in a row. Whereas now, you know, obviously Purdue's not a cakewalk, but, you know, maybe not as daunting
0: as going up against the Buckeyes uh, for a second straight season. Yeah, and I don't think the return game for Purdue to come to uh, TCU is like in the either 2030 or 2031. And yes, we, ha- we- I it's 2030. and we have no idea what the college landscape will look like <laughs> then. Right. T- TCU and Purdue could be in the same conference <laughs> for all we know a- at that point. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but let's uh, let's focus on this year's uh, matchup and this year's TCU team. Just played one game, uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff, uh, one handedly. Um, kind of an odd schedule. Uh, to start off the year for TCU with playing one game and then a bye and then or an off week and then uh, getting on the road at Purdue, today. It just was this something out of their kind of out of their control type of thing where they had an, an early week off after their opener.
1: Yeah, it's just kind of how the uh, Big 12 schedule fell for them as well, with you know kind of where the bye week you know made the most sense and, and whatnot. But you know Gary Patterson kind of liked how the schedule fell. Because uh, it is kind of unusual, like we said, but you know, playing that opener, kind of a warm up game against Arkansas Pine Bluff, a uh, uh, SWAC School, one aa and then you know, they kind of, for TCU, the reason he really liked this bye week, uh, because it kind of was an extension of fall camp. They were able to kind of have a, some game film to show these kids, because uh, TCU is a very young uh, team. I mean. Uh, a, a lot of their are too deep on on defense outside of the starters, the, the backups. Uh, I believe there are nine freshmen, whether they're redshirt or true. So T C is a young team. Uh, so it, it really kind of benefited them having this bye week early on.
0: So what did you see in that first game, and what did you learn, if anything, about what what TCU TCU might be this year? Well, the quarterback play is still to be determined <laughs> uh, so we'll,
1: we'll we'll see um you, you know they, they've got a fifth year senior alex Delt from kansas state they like his running ability he's got a pretty uh, decent arm and they feel like you know him changing schemes from k-states to tcus surrounding himself with a little more playmakers they should be able to have uh, uh better success and then they've got a true freshman out of council bluffs iowa they Max Duggan, who had interest from schools like Ohio State, Notre Dame, Nebraska, uh, opted for TCU. They they think his ceiling's really high. He's, no question, the future. Uh, but you know he he is a true freshman, so he's pr- gonna make some of those types of mistakes. You know, learning when to uh, hit a sand wedge instead of you know just <laughs> the four iron. I mean, he's he's got a great arm, but you know sometimes you, you gotta put some air under it, but. Uh, but, you know, that was the big takeaway. That's still kind of the number one storyline going into Purdue is, is kind of how the quarterbacks fare for TCU. Uh, I expect Alex Delton, the senior, to to get the start. And, you know, I, if he gets off to a hot start, the true freshman, Max Duggan, might not see the field very much uh, on Saturday. But, you know, if he struggles or whatnot, then, you know, Gary Patterson won't hesitate to go to Duggan. So uh, that, that, that's kind of... What was the major takeaway from Week One? Uh, but the TC's defense looks like it's, uh, you know, in, in for another solid season. They had an interception. They've got some, uh, like I said, some inexperience. So they've got, you know, four or five guys who should be playing on Sundays, uh, lining up on the defensive
0: side as we speak. I want to stay with the quarterbacks. Which one fits what Gary Patterson wants to do, or is that unclear at this point? It's somewhat
1: unclear, but I would say Delton is kind of the guy who fits the mold right now, which is why I think, you know, if he gets hot and plays well, and that's why they're going to start him. He's the senior. He's got the better running ability, and Gary likes running quarterbacks, so he likes that dimension that Alex Delton brings to the team. And he's also just simply got more experience. He's played in more games at this level uh, so he knows, you know, when to throw it away, when when to take care of it, when, when to get, you know, time to take a shot, and when, you know, maybe you don't. Uh, not not saying he's never gonna throw an interception or anything like that, but he's kind of
0: got a little more veteran, savvy, savvy, and poised in terms of decision making. Um, Jalen Regan or Rieger. I mean, what? Uh, he, he's a dynamic player. Uh, some have compared him a little bit to Purdue's Rondell Moore and uh, in, 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 in how they play, but how much is he a factor in what they do offensively and how much do they look for him?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no question he's their number one target, the number one playmaker. Uh, he really is, you know, TCU uses him like Purdue uses Rondell Moore. I mean, Jalen Rager will line up in the slot, he'll line up outside. Uh, last year they even used some sum lining up in the backfield so uh, you know the the last two games regular season games TC had to win to get in bowl uh, eligible and against Baylor Jalen Rager uh, had a great 65 yard uh, touchdown reception on a jailbreak screen it should have been you know maybe a 2-3 yard game 65 yards later and 5 missed tackles later he's in the end zone and then Later on, he uh, scores on a 37-yard rush. And, and then against Oklahoma State the next week, you know, similar dynamic electric playmaking ability shown. So, uh, you, you know, it, it goes through the offense. You know, they want to get him the ball as much as possible. Uh, you know, he, he's a gadget guy. He, you know, he's, he's tough to bring down. He, he's going to – you know, he also is using the return game, you know, like Purdue does with Moore. Um So, yeah, I mean, he's an electric player. Some people think he can be a
0: top 15 pick in next year's NFL draft. I mean, was that comparison made by Patterson or at least some similarities between the two players?
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, well, kind of indirectly, I mean, he just said it's nice to have a guy like Jalen Rager when you're trying to get ready to defend someone like Rondell Moore uh, I think a lot of people would say they have the same traits, you know, the, their home run threat, maybe not, you know, the exact same, but uh, definitely very similar. And is going to have its hands full uh, trying to defend Rondell Moore. And, and Gary Patterson talked about the challenges of that, even though, you know, he likes that their guys have, have gone against Rager daily at practice. Uh, it's still a tall order to,
0: to slow down and contain what Moore can do for Purdue. Uh, what what else offensively um, do you see as TCU's strengths?
1: Yeah, they, they do have a pretty good offensive line. They've got uh, Lucas Yang, a right tackle. Um, you know, he, he's, a, he's a tall tackle. The, the interior, they've bulked up. They've gotten bigger compared to last year. So, you know, TCU, with some of the quarterback questions, uh, they would like to establish the run. And they've got two a uh, solid running back who uh, have a chance to play at the next level. Shailo Wanalua and Darius Anderson, and those two uh, should get plenty of carries um, early and often as TCU would probably like to establish the run, take some time off the clock, keep Ron Moore off the field, uh, and do things that way. So um, the, the running game, they have to establish that early and they should you know on paper at least have have the pieces uh, to, to do that with the two running backs and a pretty solid offensive
0: line right let's shift to the defensive side I mean their their trademark and Gary Patterson's trademark is defense uh, a complex defensive system one that likes to confuse uh, opposing teams offensives why I mean talent is an obvious reason why they've had success in that area but, what about Gary's system and how he puts his defense together causes teams so much problems? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it is. He does disguise
1: things very well. Uh, but you know, it, you know, kind of the old saying it comes down to the Jimmys and the Joes. And, <laughs> you know, he's had a lot of really good players. And it, it starts up front. They've always been able to get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, you saw last year, L.J. Collier was a first-round pick being. Ben Banziger as a second-round pick uh, to the Colts, and you know those—that's those those are two big holes. But they like the guys they have filling those shoes. Oshawn Mathis is is a speed rusher who Gary thinks can be uh, one of the best defensive ends in TCU history, up there with you know the Jerry Hughes and and the two guys from last year and and some others. And and then on the flip side, they got Shamik Blackshear, who's a South Carolina transfer. He really played a 3-4 front at South Carolina, and now it's more in a rush-heavy 4-3 scheme of TCU. So they think he, kind of as the season develops, he can really uh, uh, shine. So they, you know, it kind of starts with a pass rush, and then they've always had, and this year's a perfect example, uh, the linebackers, they play a 4-2-5, but the two linebackers uh, started off their college careers as safeties, and, and Gary likes their ability to be able to cover Uh, from that position and and really brings some speed to that position. So uh, the defense is kind of set up for the linebackers to have a lot of tackles. And then, of course, in the secondary, uh, they've got a hard-hitting, strong safety in Ennis Gaines, and they've got some pretty good cornerbacks. Jeff Gladney, uh, you you know, is arguably the best cornerback in the Big 12. Then on the flip side, they'll probably go with the true freshman, Keon Stewart, because one of their guys, Julius Lewis, uh, is injured and, and not expected to play, but Keon Stewart, you know, held his own in his first game. Although I'm sure they, they'll make sure Gladney, if, if Moore is lined up on the outside, I'm sure Gladney's probably going to get that, uh, matchup. And then if he's in the slot, you know, I, I would expect, uh, in his games to, to guard Moore in that scenario because Gary doesn't really like having a, uh, designating a DB to travel or shadow a particular receiver
0: uh, you know he doesn't believe in that kind of mindset. Yeah I mean and Purdue's got some other wide outs they're, they're young uh, they're freshmen but uh, they've, they've shown some ability in these first two games and over the over at least in the, the two years Jeff Brom has been here he likes to identify uh, the weakest corner. and then try to push that ball down the field as much as possible. So uh, to me, this is a really curious chess match. Uh, And and I'm sure you see this a lot in the Big 12 because you you hear about the Big 12. It's a lot of offense with Oklahoma and West Virginia and those those type of schools. Uh, But with Braum going against Patterson, this seems like a really interesting offensive versus defensive uh, chess match coming up Saturday night. Oh, without question. And,
1: and I think it'll be interesting because Gary, had, you know, spoke very highly of Jeff Brom and kind of how he's turned Purdue. You know, they, they were kind of ranked He's near the bottom of the Big Ten in offense now. They're one of the league's top teams. And, and you know, he, he's been very impressed. You know, like you said, they've got more talent. And he also knows, Uh, you know, he, he talked about the importance of, you know, making sure the tight ends, you know, they don't find the seams in the, the holes. Uh, so to speak. So Gary, I know, is looking forward to, to kind of match wits with Brom. You know, it's the classic. Uh, you know, one of the country's uh, top defense minds against one of the top offensive minds. So, so it should be a good chess match on on how it all shakes out. Uh, you know, in, in from you know at least from TCU's perspective or Gary Patterson's perspective, regardless of who is quarterback, uh, he feels. You know the, the offense will run fairly uh, similar to what it what it's been, and, and I know TCU studied a lot of uh, the spring game film to watch some of Jack Plummer, uh, you know, and see what he can do uh, just in case uh, that the starter can't
0: go. Yeah, we don't know Purdue's quarterback situation as a time at this time that we're we're recording this, uh, but throughout your time covering TCU and when they faced. A quarterback making uh, his first start. Uh, just off the top of your head, how have things have gone? How things? How have things gone for that quarterback in that first game?
1: Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. You know, I, I mean, for the most part, probably not too well, just because <laughs> you know. And, and I'm only going off, you know with Alex Delton you know when he was at K-State one of his first starts came against TCU and he's he's just like man they were in my face all day <laughs> uh so I'm looking forward to not not facing him but yeah I, I do think if if, if it is plumber you know I, I would expect TCU to really you know blitz and trying to confuse him try and get him off his game uh but with that being said I, I do know uh you know, they like to get the ball out of the hands of the quarterback quick, so it, it would be an interesting matchup, uh, but yeah, certainly, I, I'm sure Jeff Brown would probably say it too, you know, if you're making your uh, quarterback debut, TCU's probably near the bottom of the list of defenses you want to face.
0: Yeah. How do, uh, where do you think TCU stacks up in the Big 12 this year? You know, that, that's a good question.
1: I think the top two are clearly uh, o- Oklahoma and Texas, and then, you know, you there's kind of – TCU's right there in the mix with uh, Iowa State and, and Baylor looks pretty good. K-State's off to a great start with their new coach, Chris Kleiman. Oklahoma State looks like they're going to have a bounce back here. Uh, so it really looks like a lot of these games could come down to one possession. Uh, and I think TCU, I, you know, they, they've got four or five guys, like I said, on defense you should be playing on Sundays. Uh, and four or five guys on offense, that should be. The big question is if they can get the quarterback situation and, and find uh, kind of the quote-unquote guy uh, who's best to lead them to win. I think they're going to be a very dangerous team. Uh, you know, I think they could pull off a couple upsets and, and be right there in the Big 12 title game. But, you know, if it's the quarterback play and, and some injuries pop up uh, because, you know, they've got a great first group, pretty inexperienced Uh, second group so uh you know if if injuries and ineffective quarterback play kind of what they fought through last year uh they'll they'll probably be fighting for bowl eligibility
0: you mentioned this at the beginning when we were talking about the uh, tcu ohio state game but does patterson at least every year think that tcu should be uh, a contender for the college football playoff under under current format with four does he think that's where his program is at and where that's that's the goal Oh, yeah, definitely. And,
1: I, and, you know, he thinks in 2014, uh, TCU infamously got jumped by Ohio State um, for, for one of the last playoff spots. But, you know, it kind of that – excuse me, the Big 12 didn't have a Big 12 title game that season, so they weren't really able to make up for the, the loss at Baylor that year. And then 2017, uh, they went to the title game, but, you know, uh, Oklahoma uh, – rolled by them twice, but yeah, I mean, TCU, I think four of the last six years, they've finished in the top ten, so they always expect, you know, to kind of be in that conversation and and right there in the thick of it, and, but, you know, with that being said, they also know they've got to uh, win, you know, they're not going to probably get the benefit of the doubt of a Clemson or an Alabama, Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, there's no question, you know, they feel they're one of the top programs in the Big 12. They should be, you know, fighting for the top recruits and uh, right in that mix. You know, if it's justified, they feel like there's no re- They've proven that they can hang and, and sometimes beat
0: the top programs in the country. One stat that stood out to me on last about last year's TCU defense was when they gave up over 200 yards passing, they, they lost. How much has that been shored up? Do you think going into this game facing a team that has thrown the ball nearly 70% of the time in its first two games?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's kind of two sided. Number one, I think they feel better about the offense where, uh, you know, they can put up more points and, and, and score more, uh, especially, and that's what they're going to have to do against Purdue. But, you know, that was just kind of a, a, a weird stat last year. Uh, kind of. Spoke more to how good the secondary and you know, passing uh, defense played, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think they feel better, you know. Not, you know, now if a team goes out and throws for four or five hundred yards, I'm sure they're not feeling too good. But yeah, I don't think they, they they feel like they have to
0: hold. And let's be real, they probably won't hold Purdue to 200 or fewer passing yards. Yeah, and Purdue hasn't really shown the ability to run the ball either. They are they've been one dimensional. Uh, In these first two games, more by design, Uh, they're not uh, Jeff Brom's not comfortable yet with what he feels a running game can do. So he's leaned on the pass. And uh, he didn't feel like he was aggressive enough in that first game against Nevada. And they let that one slip away. Where last week against Vanderbilt, he he kept pushing the ball down the field uh, in the in the fourth quarter just to give him give his team enough points to to withstand any kind of late rally that uh, that Vanderbilt was had or that Vanderbilt might have. But yeah, he's he's heavy on the pass right now. I'll be curious how much they try to run uh, against TCU or if they just go. Uh, all out and say this This is a game that they have to throw the ball 50 or 60 times to win. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting. And, and you know,
1: TCU's, they've got two defensive tackles. Uh, Ross Blacklock, kind of the three-tech under-tackle, and Corey Bethley, or excuse me, Corey Bethley, the three-tech under-tackle, and Blacklock usually plays nose-tackle. But they've got a pretty good uh, defensive line and, and, and some – Beat a middle linebacker to, to you know play a pretty good run D uh, where they might so I, I do think Purdue probably will try and expose some of the passing holes uh, you know TCU's got uh, a first year starter at, at middle linebacker opposite of Garrett Wallow and, and they were beat for a wheel pass in the opener by uh, Pine Bluff and, and some passes out in the flat they kind of struggled with and then. And like we talked about earlier, they got a true freshman corner, likely making just his second career start in Keon Stewart. So, uh, you know, TCU's defense, you know, obviously I'm sure they've <laughs> been working and trying to shore up those holes. So, those are a couple areas to watch, especially where Purdue might try and exploit them in the passing game.
0: So what's the, what's the mood about this game, maybe not from the players, but from around the, maybe the TCU community? You know, Purdue's not a household name uh, in the college football world, but it is a Big Ten school. Just how, how are they viewing uh, this non-conference game coming up Saturday?
1: Well, I think they've come to, you know, get to know Purdue a little bit more uh, here over the last few weeks. You know, I've seen a lot of people, you know, maybe a few months ago thought, oh, we should able to beat Purdue, but I think, you know, TCU and, and some of the fans, once they see the numbers, Rondell Moore put up last week against uh, you know, they, they know that this game can can change either way, but I do feel like, you know, that TCU feels, you know, they're, they're good enough and capable of winning with uh, kind of the defense Gary Patterson's put together, uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, I, I'm expecting this to be a one possession, a field goal kind of game. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it will be a dogfight start to finish. And, and I think most TCU fans are expecting the same, especially, uh, kind of, kind of with the quarterback situation and not knowing exactly, uh, what they have there yet.
0: All right. Well, Drew, uh, we appreciate your time, uh, today. Safe travels coming to, to ross Age Stadium. And uh, hopefully uh, everything works out from that end. And look forward to, to meeting you on Saturday. And again, thanks for your time and your insight uh, on TCU today.
1: Absolutely, and I appreciate you guys having me on.
0: Yeah, you know, once again, we thank Drew Davidson for his time and his insight uh, into the Horn Frogs as Purdue gets ready for that matchup uh, on Saturday night at at seven thirty. Uh, we recorded the podcast on Wednesday uh, morning. Uh, but then a few hours later, uh, Purdue announced or uh, Jeff Brom told, uh, myself and, uh, another local media member that, uh, Marcus Bailey would be lost for the season after tearing his ACL or suffering a knee injury. Uh, make sure we're correct there. Jeff, Jeff never really confirmed it was ACL. He just said it's a knee injury that requires, uh, surgery. And it was a non contact injury. I think you can read, read into it. What, what it was, uh, but uh, you know, he said he suffered the, the knee injury on uh, on Tuesday at the end of practice. Uh, Tuesday was a light day for the Boilermakers. They they only had helmets on. They had jerseys and uh, their their practice pants. No shoulder pads. There was no contact, uh, and uh, the injury uh, happened uh, late in practice. Where um, you know, there was it was a non contact injury, and um, he suffered uh, the injury. It's his second uh, knee injury. Uh, at Purdue, he had one his freshman year in 2015. Uh, it does make him a candidate to, to pursue a six-year if he decides to do that, but uh, that's that's way down the line. But I uh, thought I'd talk a little bit uh, about w- what this means for Purdue now, especially defensively as you get ready for the last non-conference game. Uh, then Purdue's going to have a week off before they get in the Big Ten play and you know, and how this defense now may look. Uh, You're taking uh, the best player on defense off the field, and that's never a good thing. Uh, But you are going to replace uh, Marcus Bailey with uh, Cornell Jones. Uh, He has some playing time. He's not at the level of Marcus Bailey. He's not the knowledge of Marcus Bailey, but he's a guy that has played before, and I think that's a benefit. You're going to rely more on Ben Holt, uh, the graduate transfer from Western Kentucky, who's also the son of the the co-defensive coordinator, you're gonna you're gonna lean on him a little bit more, and then you're gonna use Jalen Alexander uh, probably in more situational um, uh, situational uh, stuff uh, coming up, and then even maybe Kieran Douglas as a as a linebacker. You know, the, the, I think the issue comes uh, for Purdue when they have to put three linebackers on the field when they're facing maybe down the line a, an Iowa or a Wisconsin. Uh, uh, you know the non-spread teams. You know maybe even a Minnesota. You know I think Purdue's comfortable in its nickel defense, and I think they've been effective in their nickel defense so far uh, this year. Although the numbers may not tell you otherwise, I think uh, the nickel defense uh, I believe puts Purdue's best players uh, on defense out on the field. You add uh, Simeon Smiley uh, as as the nickel back, and then your two corners are uh, Kenneth Major and uh, Diedrich Mack. Mackey, who I think have played very well this year uh, through two games, and then your safety, Navon Mosley, uh, who's a veteran, and now you're, uh, probably takes on a little bit more of a quarterback role if he already hasn't uh, from the backfield. And then uh, freshman Jalen Graham, who's, who's held up well in the first uh, two games. So I think nickel probably is their best defense and probably what you'll see more of Saturday. But as you get deeper into the Big Ten, or as you start the Big Ten season and get deeper into those games where – you're, you're seeing some traditional offenses and you're not seeing spread teams is when you're going to put that third linebacker uh, on the field. But, you know, Purdue's defense, you know, starts up front. Uh, they've got to get more pressure. Uh, so, you know, Purdue's going to lose Bailey's leadership out on the field. Uh, they're obviously going to lose his talent um, and, and, and his playmaking ability. You know, he ranked second in tackles. Him and Ben Holt were probably going to go back and forth this year as far as who was going to lead the team in tackles. But, you you know, you just you, you lose a whole lot. And uh, in some previews I used to do several years ago, uh, one of the categories I started uh, writing about was the one player you can't afford to lose on each side of the ball. And if I would have done that this year, uh, it would have been Marcus Bailey uh, most likely to, to fit into that category because you just don't have another one. And you know, and that's uh, that's an issue uh, that uh, Purdue football and Jeff Broms, uh, you know, they're going to try to fix you know, the, the longer he's here is just build enough depth. So it's not as devastating. There's not a drop, there's not as big of a, of a drop off when you go from Marcus Bailey down to the next guy. And there is a drop off. Uh, there's no question about it. Uh, you can't hide the fact, but you are getting an experienced guy in Cornell Jones, uh, who I think is a lot more mature this year than he, than he was last year. You remember he had some penalties, uh, early in the season that, uh, that proved to be costly. Uh, so, you know, I think you're getting a different version of Cornell Jones. And and now you, he's, he's, he's got to be a guy that is on the field a lot for you. And, you know, Purdue did a good job of rotating defensive linemen last week. You know, Derek Barnes was telling us today he went from basically 82 snaps against Nevada to 62 snaps uh, against uh, Vanderbilt. And he felt really good at the end, felt like he'd go play another game. I don't know if that's if that's 100 true or not, but uh, the point is that you know Purdue's probably going to rotate a little bit more at the linebacker spot than what they would normally do if Bailey was on the field. You know, Marcus is a guy that needs to be on the field as much as possible, but even you know he got some breaks, so they may rotate a little bit more uh, defensively and you know move some things around and, and 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 try to maximize who they have out there, but. You know, as of right now, I think you you feel confident that uh, the the guy that's replacing him has played played some games, played some football, and should understand the defense by now. Uh, and, you know, he's going to have a coach that is going to be right there with him, and that's that's and that's Nick Holt. Uh, so um, it, it it's a big blow to the team. I think um, it, it's one that I think they can overcome uh, in certain games. You know, Saturday obviously will be the big test to see. Uh, how they how they play without Bailey against a team that wants to get you in space they want to get Purdue's defense in space get some one-on-one matchups and you know obviously try to make Purdue miss and you know tackling uh, in space is going to be big uh, for Purdue and getting pressure on the on the quarterback uh, is going to be big for Purdue uh, in this game and there's going to be an adjustment period there's going to be a you know a time where Purdue is going to have to learn to play without Marcus Bailey and uh, they're gonna have to learn to do it uh, quickly this week and then you get a week off and then you get in the big ten play you know and you hope that time off helps you um, you know acclimate a little bit better than what you uh, would normally you know unless if your schedule didn't go back to back to back so you get this week off after TCU maybe to iron out a few things or see what kind of problems that that you face uh, without Marcus Bailey in there but that it's a, it's a it's a huge blow uh, for Purdue. It's not one that uh, you, you, you woke up this morning thinking, or even yesterday thinking that that's going to happen. Uh, but and, you know, it's going to take a little bit for this team to, to deal with that. But they, they've got a few days before the, the game is actually played. And it, it can also be a rallying point for, for this group to you know, go win one for Marcus and um, you know, use that to try to, to inspire them. And, you know, I, you know, I think they will. And, uh, you know, this is a big game for Purdue. It really is. Uh, it's a big game for TCU as well. But it's a huge game for Purdue because you're sitting at 1-1. One one. Uh, most people thought when they looked at the schedule that uh, your first three non-conference games, if you got out of there at 2-1, and one, uh, heading into Big Ten, that uh, Purdue would be right on track. And they can still get that. But now you face a, a win against a solid TCU team to – to reach that mark, uh, you know, everyone thought that uh, the Nevada win, you know, the Purdue would beat Nevada, and they should have, but they didn't. And now you you face a a situation where to get back to two and one, you got to beat uh, a solid uh, team from the Big Twelve, and it would do wonders for Purdue's confidence if somehow they could uh, pull uh, pull the upset. Uh, you know, and I think it will be it would be an upset at, at this point because we still don't know the status of Elijah Sindelar and whether he'll play or not. He did practice. Uh, on Wednesday, or he was out there, and he, we saw him go through some drills and some some team th- team things before uh, our time was up. Uh, you know, we're only allowed to watch certain parts of practice, uh, so what he did when we were not there, I have no idea. Uh, but he was involved. He was dressed in in full uh, full practice gear, and he was he was going through everything. Uh, Jeff Brom said on his radio show tonight that they're still optimistic, uh, and that, that they'll just have to wait and see what happens. He's Jeff's probably going to label him a game time decision uh, when it's all said and done. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk to Jeff on Thursday, and I, I assume that's what he, what he'll say. This in, probably in more to keep TCU guessing, but you know there's there's a concussion protocol that our, every school has to uh, send its athletes through when they, when they uh, have concussions and uh, you know we don't know how far along uh, Elijah uh, is in that. I mean, I think a good sign is that he was out there on Wednesday. Uh, that means he's moved along somewhere in the, in the process. Now, is he at the end? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know for sure. And they really don't, they really don't talk about the protocol and the, the steps involved, uh, in, in what, uh, what, what they have to do. And each school kind of comes up with its own plan and they submit it to the NCAA, uh, and they sign off on it. And there's probably a lot of similarities between schools, but each school kind of deals with it on its own. So that's a couple things to watch. Uh, uh, from, uh, from the things that happen today and we still don't know about Matt McCann which might be a, a bigger issue uh, when you get right down to it because of uh, Purdue's offensive line is young and inexperienced and you're taking uh, the most experienced guy off the line if he doesn't play uh, and you know replacing with uh, you know a, a guy or two that, that's only played a handful of snaps. And you're going up uh, up against a, a TCU defensive line, which probably has a few NFL guys on there. They're quick, uh, they move well. Uh, it's a complex defense, to block. Uh, so uh, Purdue has its uh, has its hands full, especially from an offensive line standpoint on Saturday. And there's there's some other guys that are banged up that uh, uh, that haven't practiced this week. Bryson Hopkins was out doing some work with the strength and conditioning staff today. You know, I don't, I, I wouldn't expect Jared Sparks to play, uh, in this game. Uh, he, he's, uh, he seems to have suffered an injury, uh, you know, uh, back in the Vanderbilt game or, you know, somewhere earlier. Uh, so, you know, Purdue's going to be down some, uh, some of their key players on Saturday and that's where the depth kicks in. And that, you know, this program's not at that point yet where you just, you plug guys in, you've, you've got a um, you know, you, you've got to you know, still develop a lot of positions. Receiver is one where they're deeper at. You know, if Sparks doesn't start, you know, does Milton Wright or David Bell get get a get a start in that situation? Don't think it's a big deal at the receiver standpoint because they're all going to play. Uh, but it, the bigger deal comes on the offensive line and obviously at the quarterback position and at, and at linebacker to, to see who fills in those roles. I mean, we know the linebacker spot's going to be Cornell Jones. And if Matt McCann can't go, it's probably going to be Mark Stickford. Uh, to to get things going on the on the offensive line, but as far as receiver, if if Sparks doesn't start uh, or is not part of the rotation, that that probably you know probably moves Milton Wright or David Bell. My guess would be, and it's just a guess, it'd be David Bell. He's looked pretty comfortable, uh, or he did look pretty comfortable against Vanderbilt, um, and he, he's probably sitting on a game here in the near future, whether it's Saturday or you know a couple games in the Big Ten season, where I think uh, David Bell's Getting ready to to bust out and have uh, a couple of, of really long plays and a you know maybe a couple touchdowns if if uh, if Purdue if the offensive line can protect Sindelar. but anyway, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. We hope to do one after the game on Saturday, maybe from a uh, all night location that serves food. Uh, we'll, we'll cross that when it when it's time. Uh, and we thank uh, Drew Davidson again from the Fort Worth Star Telegram for for joining us on the boulders extra podcast thanks for listening and uh, we'll be back next time with another edition of, uh, of the boulders extra podcast